Galatians 5, 16 through 26. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since flesh with its passions, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited provoking and envying each other. Amen. Thank you, Matt. Welcome once again. I already got in trouble this morning. It's uh, kind of a tough morning. You know, I got here, I'm in the back, so I'm texting you, John Scott, to say, I mean, you probably got that. I just said, hey, I'm here, because usually we pray together, we check in and stuff, but I got here, and we didn't see each other, so I was just letting you know I was here, but Larry Yurko's like, hey, you're not supposed to text in church. I'm like, hey, I don't usually sit in the back, so I had to let John Scott know I'm actually here, uh, so he doesn't stress out. The preacher is here. Um, hey, you can follow along this morning with the sermon. There's an outline in the bulletin, very simple to use that, or on you version, a free app for your phone or mobile device. Excellent little app. Uh, you can look under live events and you will find us there. Heads up, I told you last week, uh, prayer time went so well that we were going to kind of had a little extended prayer time throughout this series, so that'll be coming up uh, after the message. If you would like to pray with somebody, uh, be thinking about who you'd like to pray with, and there is a lot, even if you don't have a person in here that you want to pray over. There's, I know I've gotten emails about situation in Venezuela, just a deteriorating situation. If you know anyone down there, you can pray about that. You can pray about uh, Canton and all of our, our friends out there who suffered through a tornado and just the recovery effort that's going to happen there. My hometown, Neosho, is underwater, or at least the, the eastern edge of town is underwater. My folks are fine, but praying for people out there as well. A lot of, there are always a lot of things to pray about, and there's a lot of things just in this room that we can be praying about as well. So please join us in that after the, the service. Uh, so many times we're instructed to pray in the Spirit. We're going to do that this morning uh, during that response time. Well, <clears throat> a few years back I came across this story. I thought it fit today, so I'll share it with you. It's in the, 
A very short Associated Press story from Glasgow, Kentucky. Here goes. Quote, Local Leslie Puckett, after struggling to start his car, lifted the hood and discovered that someone had stolen the motor. I like that story. It's short. It's to the point. Um, we got the who, the what, the where, the when in that. And uh, yeah, you're not going anywhere without a motor, right? And it got me to thinking, I mean, it looks like a car, right? I mean, you could, I suppose you could sit in the car and turn on the stereo uh, and it, it it's probably going to and flip on the lights and do car type things, but it's not going to take you anywhere. And that gets us into what we want to talk about this morning as we continue the spirit within. Um, that, is, that really, if you read the New Testament, and I mean basically any book in the New Testament, you will find God telling you that the Christian life is powered by the spirit. The Holy Spirit is the engine of your faith. Once you accept Christ, He comes to live in you and to move you forward into all of the plans that God has for you in any situation. Um, it's impossible, right? I mean, just definitionally impossible to live a spiritual life without the Spirit. Make sense? So He is the engine at work in us to make us like Christ. It's not our hard work. It's not our great ideas. Uh, it's not our collective problem-solving skills. Those things have some value, yes. But as we encounter our story, the Christian story in the New Testament, we quickly see that the motor that moves us is the Spirit. Without the Spirit, we are in big, big trouble. Without the Spirit, we may have the trappings of Christianity. We may be able to click on the radio or turn on the lights, but we are not going anywhere. Amen? We need the Spirit. So we aren't called, we aren't called to live out our Christian faith on our own. We're not expected to do it uh, by our own power but we are expected to live under the influence and under the direction of the Holy Spirit of God, the same Spirit, remember Romans 8, 11? The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. But I believe that many people have had their motor stolen I believe that many believers are wearing themselves out. I mean, how do I get this thing to move? How do I go where God wants me to go? They're frustrated, they're tired, they're worried and wearied, as you said, John Scott, trying to live out this high calling as disciples of Jesus Christ without the Spirit or with very little help from the Spirit of God. And we're going to talk more about exactly how the motor gets stolen here in a few moments as we work from the text that Matt read for us uh, this morning. So last week, just a little review, um, we started the Spirit Within series. We were in Romans chapter 8 last week, and we watched Paul as he painted uh, this picture of the work of the Holy Spirit in the lives of believers. Um, he is, we saw, he is a person. 
God is three people in one, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. He is a person who lives in us, and so through him we have this very personal relationship with God. We are not spiritual orphans. He lives in us and affirms the reality that we are sons and daughters of the Most High. We also saw that this presence that is living in me is not just there for my own devices. What I think I'll turn on spirit power right now. I need a little power boost. No. He is at work according to his purpose, which his overarching purpose in every circumstance, he works together in all ways for the good according to the purpose. The purpose is, according to Romans 8, remaking you into the image of Christ, helping you look more and more like Jesus. And finally, we ran into a beautiful truth uh, that Paul shared with us, and that is that the Spirit is also providing for us. He is making sure that we have everything we need within the circumstances in which we find ourselves, be them pleasant or painful. Now, if you are not experiencing this work of the Spirit in your life, you're like, man, that sounds great, and I know that's in the Bible, but I'm not experiencing that. I hope that you will be willing today to very humbly seek truth. We're going to open the Scriptures. The Bible is the sword of the Spirit. And through those Scriptures, I hope that you will be open to exploring the truth about what the Bible actually teaches about the Spirit, and perhaps you will see how you have had your motor stolen, how you have failed to, according to Galatians 5, as Matt read, to live in step with the Spirit. But that takes humility. I'll be honest with you. It takes a lot of humility. It's not painless, right? Because to truly seek truth, to truly be a seeker of knowledge when it comes to the Holy Spirit, and more than that, the practice of embracing the Holy Spirit in your life absolutely demands that I have the humility to be open to the possibility that maybe, just maybe, the way I've thought about the Spirit isn't biblical or isn't fully biblical. I've got to be open to that if I'm a truth seeker. So instead of getting defensive, right, instead of going to the same old proof texts that perhaps you've relied on to defend your particular or a particular position on the Holy Spirit, um, instead of reacting, it's the humble call to be open to seeing something new in the Scriptures about the Spirit, to be willing to take a fresh look at what God's Word says to see if perhaps there is something under the hood, if there's something that I have missed. And it is possible, yes, that at the end of this search, you're open, you're humble, you may find out that you have been right all along. That's a possibility. Um, what I always believe, yeah, that's pretty much right. Um, it's possible you won't. And this is hard to do, to be open to this. Let's pray together. We need help with this. I need help with this. Holy Spirit, Father, Son, we pray to you, God, this morning, inviting you into this space. We want to encounter you. We want to know you. We want to walk with you. We want for the same power that raised Christ from the dead to live in us, to be available to us, and to work within us. We want to experience that. Show us your truth as we open 
the Scriptures this morning. And Lord, help us to, to be open and to be willing as best we can to receive your truth. We confess that you are the engine that powers our lives. We can't go anywhere, spiritually speaking. We can't move forward. We can't inhabit your amazing plans for us. We can't be what we were called to be in Christ unless you provide what we need. We need you. We need your spirit. And so we pray this for the glory of Christ and in the name of Christ. Amen. All right. In the scripture reading this morning, we heard from Galatians 5 about walking in the Spirit. And you probably noticed as Matt was reading that, these two jarringly different lifestyles. Extreme opposites. One in step with the Spirit, in rhythm with the Spirit. One absolutely out of rhythm with the cadence of the Spirit. Um, And that's a great place for us to begin talking this morning about what trips us up, what keeps us from walking in step. What are those roadblocks in the way? Or better yet, this question I think a lot of believers have, why aren't I experiencing more of the Holy Spirit? Why is my experience not looking like what I see in the New Testament? And if I'm not experiencing more uh, or experiencing the Spirit as God intended for me to, and if the Lord has provided everything that I need to experience that life, then the problem has got to be where? It's got to be on my end, right? It's got to be on my end. So what are those roadblocks that keep us from walking in the Spirit or that keep most folks from walking in the Spirit? And again, let's be open and honest as we walk through these first Uh, We're going to look at several different fears that kind of paralyze people and stop them from being open to the Spirit's work in their lives. Now, let me say this. Obviously, as we work through these roadblocks this morning, uh, the idea is to be open, to think about yourself, to consider yourself, not to think about, I wonder what the roadblocks are in that person's life or in sister so-and-so's life. No. Think about you. Let the Spirit speak to you about what your roadblocks are. Um, that's what we need to do in a that's what we do in a healthy church okay so as we talk about these fears uh, the first fear this is on the outline this morning is quite simply this the fear of losing control all right the fear of losing control in other words what if the spirit actually shows up what if the spirit actually does guide lead direct take me places um, what, if, what if I lose control and hand that over to the Spirit? Um, well, I mean, we're really jumping into the deep end right off the bat here because, I mean, essentially, we're asking this. Do I even want the Spirit to show up? And that's what we're asking. Do I even want that? And I believe that is probably the number one roadblock for most folks. They won't experience the power and the presence of God within them because, quite frankly, they don't want to surrender control. And if God is in your life, He gets to be God. Make sense? 
You're not God anymore. You're not the CEO of your life anymore. I mean, what if the Spirit moves into my life and wants to take me, for example, to a place where I'm uncomfortable? Do you think the Spirit might want to do that? I promise you He wants to do that. He's always taking people to places where they're not comfortable. What if the Spirit wants to move you to a place that's, that's dangerous? What if the Spirit wants to take you to a place that's difficult for you? And so maybe you're like, I mean, maybe, maybe in your heart you're thinking, hey, I like my life. I, I really, frankly, I enjoy being in the driver's seat of my life. I like being in control. And so the fear of losing control, this fear of the Spirit actually showing up and doing what the Spirit does that's a completely legitimate fear. Let me just legitimize that for you. That's a real, yeah, that, that's real. Because if he shows up, he is going to take control. He is going to take the leadership role in your life. So if you're concerned about that, that's legitimate. Because the Spirit of God is pretty much guaranteed to do things in your life and to lead you places that you would not on your own choose. Amen? Okay? Um, he will move you into, let's put it this way, He will move you into the way of the cross. He won't simply come into your life and solidify all of your hopes and dreams. Uh, he won't simply come in and confirm and power forward the life that you have chosen for yourself. No. He's God. He will remake you into the person of Christ. That's what he'll do. That's his job. And the truth is, it's not always painless, not always pleasant. The Spirit will work in you to make you like Christ, and that's going to hurt a little. So this fear is a legitimate concern. The fear of losing control, and honestly, like I said, I think, this is my opinion, I think it's probably the number one roadblock for most people. What if the Spirit actually shows up? I don't know that I really want that. That's a fear. But think about the flip side of that, kind of the opposite of that. It's also a fear. Here goes that second bullet point under the fears. It's this, the fear of God losing face. In other words, what if the Spirit doesn't show up? So let's say I decide, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing this in Scripture. I'm seeing what the Spirit wants to do in my life. I, I believe that's in the Bible. I need this motor to power me forward. I realize that I am missing that. And so I decide that I'm going to seek for that to happen. I'm going to go deeper in God's Word. I'm going to pray about that. I'm going to throw my life open to the Holy Spirit. And then what if nothing happens? Has God failed? Have his promises fallen flat? Is the Spirit not living up to his end of the bargain? That's a fear I think a lot of people have. By the way, I've been reading several books. I'll, I'll put a little bibliography in next week. One of those is Francis Chan's book, Forgotten God. Here's a quote from that. He says, I think the fear of God failing us listen to this. I think the fear of God failing us leads us to quote unquote cover 
for God. This means we ask for less, expect less, and are satisfied with less because we are afraid to ask for or expect more. And so afraid to kind of put God on the spot, we content ourselves with the same old, same old. We want God to save face. We don't want to ask Him to do something that He says He'll do in the Bible, and then what if He doesn't? And so how much this must, how much this must pain our Heavenly Father, how much this must break His heart to watch His children reject His providence, ignore His promises because they're afraid He won't come through. How much that must, that's, that must hurt God? They're afraid that he won't deliver on the Father's promises. So there's a fear of the Spirit showing up. Oh, I don't know that I really want the Spirit to show up. I kind of like my life the way it is. I like being in control. And there's the fear of the Spirit not showing up. What if I invite the Spirit in? What if I pray for that and seek that in, in God's Word and he doesn't? And then the third fear which has very much been a factor in our tradition, in our movement, and in other evangelical movements, I believe, as well. It is the fear, <laughs> the fear of losing face, all right? Um, there's probably a better way to say that, but I thought about it in this way. The fear of, don't spirit-filled people act crazy? I know you've thought that, okay? Don't act like you've not thought that before. Um, in our movement, we've thought that. Don't spirit-filled people act crazy? I mean, I've got a reputation to uphold. I can't turn into some sort of religious Holy Spirit nuts. I mean, isn't that what surrendering your life to the Holy Spirit, isn't that what being filled with the Holy Spirit looks like? I mean, don't you start speaking, speaking gibberish and dancing around and, and seeing God reveal His will in the foam on your latte in the morning? I mean, isn't that, don't you just get really weird if you start embracing life in the Spirit, and this is a very real fear for some people, so real that they keep the Spirit at arm's length. It's like, hey, I'm good, God, I'm good. I got your Bible, I, got, I go to church and hang out with a lot of nice people, I love Jesus, uh, but let's keep the Spirit thing under control. And this fear is complete completely off base. There is no validity to this fear whatsoever. Some people have this idea that spirit-filled people act crazy. Truth is, when you are truly filled with the Holy Spirit, you are the sanest, soberest, most balanced, honest person that you can possibly be. Was there ever a person more spirit-filled than Jesus? There's an answer to that. No. <laughs> there never was in history. Want to know what a life full of the Holy Spirit looks like? Look at Jesus. That's what it looks like. All right, there may be some times of some exuberance, some excitement. 
Um, you may feel like dancing at some point, okay? But a real relationship with the Spirit does not make you unbalanced and unhinged. It does the opposite. It makes you like Jesus, the greatest human being who ever lived. Remember that, that list that we read from Galatians chapter 5? Does that sound like an unhinged crazy, nutty kind of person that's described as the person who's, who's exhibiting the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Let's go back to that list in verses 22 and 23. If you would put those up. And let's, let's slowly, if you would read this with me, we're going to read this through slowly and just think about this is a description of a person who is filled with the Holy Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Well, that's pretty nutty. That's pretty wild. I don't know about that. I want that. I want all of that. Fill me with your spirit, God. Make me more self-controlled and gentle and faithful and loving and peaceful and joyful. Make me like that. I mean, the more the Spirit pervades your life, the more the Spirit powers your life, the more loving you are, the more of all of those things you are. So again, if we're going to walk, as Paul says in this passage, if if we're going to walk in step with the Spirit, we've got to be humble and we've got to be honest about the roadblocks. And maybe one of the roadblocks is that fear. I think I might end up being a little nutty or what are people going to think? Or maybe it's the fear of him showing up and losing control or maybe it's the fear of him not showing up and and somehow you're embarrassing God or you're putting God on the spot. Is it one of those fears that's holding you back? That first fear of him coming in and taking control, that's a legitimate fear. That's going to happen. That second fear is just sad. What if God doesn't show up? That's just sad. And the third fear is completely unfounded and unbiblical that you're going to turn into some weirdo if the Holy Spirit indwells your life. That, that's just unfounded. That doesn't, that doesn't look at all what, like what the Bible says. So two more roadblocks that we're going to talk about this morning as we continue this study on the Spirit within. So again, if I'm not experiencing the Spirit of God, maybe it has to do with one of these roadblocks. And here are these two roadblocks that are explicitly mentioned in the New Testament. One of them is quenching the Holy Spirit, and one of them is grieving the Holy Spirit. Again, we're talking about two sides of a coin here. Um, Quenching the Holy Spirit. Here's a passage. Um, Let's put this passage up from 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 19. Uh, Paul says, Do not talking to believers, talking to Christians, do not quench the Spirit. So what is that? Uh, This is on your outline. Quenching the Spirit is to become desensitized to the Spirit by consistently ignoring or neglecting His direction. Okay, He's trying to lead you in your marriage. I'm good. Don't need that. He's trying to lead you to minister to people, to share faith at, at, at your job or at school. 
No, no, no. Too uncomfortable with that spirit. He's trying to help you serve the poor, uh, transform Dallas. I, I don't want to go to that neighborhood. You're constantly ignoring or neglecting what the Spirit is trying to do in your life. That is quenching the Spirit because He wants to produce fruit in your life. He wants to work in your life, but you consistently say, no, 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 I'm good, don't want that, no. That's quenching the Spirit. Now, I want to be very clear about this. If you are a Christian, we talked about this last week, if you are a Christian, and I would imagine most of us are here this morning, if you're a Christian... You have the Holy Spirit. This is not a question of whether you have or don't have the Holy Spirit. Oh, this guy has the Holy Spirit. This Christian doesn't have the Holy Spirit. No, you have the Holy Spirit. I mean, look at what Paul is writing. He's writing to believers. He's writing to the, thir- the church in Thessalonica. And, and he says, don't quench the Holy Spirit. So these people, you have to have the Holy Spirit to quench the Holy Spirit, Right? I mean, to, to do that, you've got to start, you have to have the Spirit. Now, you may not feel like it because you have so desensitized yourself to His presence and His leading in your life. I don't feel anything. Right? That's what quenching the Spirit. It reminds me of a friend of mine, and this is back in my hometown. A friend of mine used to live kind of on that east side of town, actually, I hope he's okay, where there is a very active set of train tracks. I mean, four to six times a day, there are trains rolling through there. And I've talked about him because the train tracks are just like a couple hundred feet behind his house. I'm like, how do you sleep, Doug? I mean, those are giant freight trains. How do you sleep through that rumbling and all of that noise? And he told me, man, seriously, I don't even hear it. I can't tell you the last time I heard one of those trains roll by because after a certain amount of time, I just stopped noticing. I just got used to tuning it out. And it made me think about this quenching the spirit. I mean, here's this gigantic freight train making all sorts of noise, probably rattling his house. He doesn't even notice. And the freight train, train, the power of God who lives within you, you can actually get to where, eh, I don't think he's leading me. I don't sense any direction. I don't feel bad about not following all that the, the word of God says for me to do. You didn't, yeah, it's okay. You're quenching the spirit, Paul says. Don't do that. But the other side of that, very interesting. So quenching, there's also grieving the Holy Spirit. So, so quenching is essentially you're not doing something. You're not responsive to the spirit. Grieving is, is the other side of that. So let's talk about grieving the spirit. It is to act, to behave uh, in mind and in behavior in ways that are contrary to the will of God. And that grieves, that saddens, that breaks the heart of God. That hurts, that wounds the Holy Spirit living within you. Ephesians 4.30 commands us to, quote, not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. It is a reminder that, right, the Holy Spirit is a person. You can't grieve or sadden a force or something impersonal. It has to be a person. How do I grieve him? How do I establish this roadblock in my life that prevents his redemptive work from occurring in my life? Well, 
In that text from Galatians 5, we're told what happens in verse 17. It says this, The sinful nature, that's part of you, that's part of me. The sinful nature, surprise, surprise, wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit is within you as well. Okay? And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. You have probably noticed this, okay? There are two forces constantly fighting for control of your life, to prevail in your story that you're living out. And I grieve the Holy Spirit when I take sides with the sinful nature. It grieves the Holy Spirit when I'm choosing sides and I don't side with Him. No, I'm going to say this. I'm going to tweet this. I'm going to act this way. I know you don't want me to. I've read what the New Testament says. I'm going to do it anyway. That grieves the Holy Spirit. The person of God living within mourns that. And so we're called, that's grieving the Spirit, and so we're called by God to walk in step with the Spirit. And that is important because He is the engine. He is the motor under the hood. Sorry for those impersonal metaphors because He is a person. But He is a person that powers this change, that motors this change in my life, that moves me into my identity in Christ. And we put roadblocks in the way of His work. Um, and it could be one of those fears that we talked about. Um, or it may be that you've just kind of gotten so used to just quenching to just ignoring what the Spirit wants. Pray for somebody? Nah. I mean, nah. I'll do that later, whatever. Um, stop watching those television programs? Uh, nah, I'm going to keep watching those. Yeah. It could be that you're just ignoring, or it could be that you're grieving the Spirit by actively rejecting what He's asking you to do. Living in sinful disobedience. And one more thing before we wrap up this morning. Um, as the Spirit gets a hold on your life, you will grow more and more in tune with Him. And you may feel like, I think this is important, you may feel like the opposite is happening. I just want to put that warning label. The more you move into the Holy Spirit, the more you may feel like the opposite is happening. Please let me explain that. Because it is, after all, the Holy, Holy Spirit living in you. And the more active He is in your life, the more you, are, you unleash Him in your life, the more He will reveal the sin that is present in your life, the more He will reveal to you the unholiness that is in your life, the things that you have become accustomed to, comfortable with, He is going to convict. He is going to confront. And He will make you more and more uncomfortable with the sin in your life. And so you may become more sickened by your sin, more revolted by your sin. You may feel less and less holy as the Holy Spirit becomes more active in your life. Take heart, take heart, I would say. Um, you're becoming sensitized to God. 
You're becoming more aware of what he wants for you. And that is an important and life-giving part of his work. So that's the paradox, I think, that we need to be aware of. And that is the stronger the Holy Spirit becomes within you, you may feel more unholy and unworthy. I hope that makes sense. Finally, indulge me on this a second. We're concluding with this, but there's a story Francis Chan tells, and I'm going to adopt this a little bit for my own purposes, but he, he asks this question. He says, what would it be like to be a caterpillar? What would it be like to be a caterpillar? Um, I mean, what caterpillar thoughts would go on in your little head um, as you travel around on your belly on the dirt and you move within a very small patch of real estate. Your existence is within just two or three square meters of space there. You climb up and you climb down a few plants. What would that be like? And then one day, you take a nap. You take a long nap. And when you wake up, you, the caterpillar, can fly. What would that be like to discover all of a sudden you can fly? You've become a butterfly, right? I mean, to be transformed from that squishy green worm into this butterfly with beautiful, colorful wings. Wow, what a transformation! What would that be like? And we as believers, I mean, shouldn't we see that happening in our lives? Shouldn't this, the Spirit who lives in us, that power that raised Christ from death to life, shouldn't that be amazing? And shouldn't we just be stunned at the changes that are occurring in our lives and the way we think and the way we talk and the way we treat other people? I mean, shouldn't we just be speechless at this new creation? that God is making of us. And back to those roadblocks that we've been talking about. How sad would it be if the caterpillar turned butterfly didn't really believe he was now a butterfly, didn't really want to test those little wings out, how sad would it be if that little guy was too scared to fly? What, I mean, what if he never even tried? What a sad story that would be. And you, my friend, have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ at Calvary. You've received the gift of the Holy Spirit. He lives in you. If, you know, if we could pop your hood this morning and look in there, we'd see the Holy Spirit living in there. And I don't know about you. I don't want to miss out on what that means for me. I don't want to stay parked in the same spot, too afraid to turn that motor over. I want to test out those wings and fly. Look, I want to be the person God wants, has always designed for me to be. This morning, we're going to have an extended prayer time. I would invite you to, to get with somebody and pray about either something going on in a situation here in this room, or maybe it's a situation that you've read about, or people you're concerned about over in a different part of the state, a different part of the country, a different part of the world. Let the Spirit speak through your prayers. 
and believe that he's going to do something when you pray and he intercedes with the Father. Maybe this morning you're ready to put your faith in Jesus to begin this spiritual life of following Jesus Christ, forgiven and moving into this destiny that the God of the universe has for you. You can do that by confessing your faith, by being baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. However you need to respond, do that as we stand this morning.